Hello, everyone. My name is Lily Gladstone. I'm from the Blackfeet and Nez Perce Nations, and I'm here with uh, these incredible filmmakers, Jesse Shortbowl and uh, Laura Tomaselli. Did I say that right? Yes. Great. <laughs> Uh, Jesse and I go back a long ways, actually. It was so exciting and uh, no surprise that Jesse put together this incredible film, which, you know, a lot of the work that Jesse and I used to do together doing media training with kids was about, um, you know, having the tools to tell our own story in this modern way. And I just, you know, thank you so much for doing this. And Laura, you as well. I mean, the the pieces are all there. They're little elements that we hear growing up. Um, you know, I know that Jesse, especially being Lakota, this is, this is your history. Um, and then arranging this story that in, through the editing, all of it in such a circular fashion was just very appropriate. So it was really exciting. It's uh, one of, one of the greatest docs I've ever seen. Um, and if you guys don't mind, we've got a few questions here. <laughs> we'll just dive in and I'll, I'll let, let you take over. So the suit brought by Lakota leaders for the Black Hills took more than 50 years to reach the Supreme Court. It ended up being the longest running court case in American history. Now, were you surprised, both of you, were you surprised that no documentary had ever been made about this? Yeah, yeah. And uh, thank you so much, Lily. And um, I, I would say that I wasn't really surprised and the, the main reason for that is because I, I know that I think it was such a shock that the Ocheti Shakoin tribes uh, refused the money. And, you know, it was just, it really, I think it was just something that you don't really say no. I mean, we're in America, you don't say no to the money, right? Mm -hmm. And so it, it really, um, just kind of shut everybody down and the fact that they refused the money we're still stuck and and it, it seems like nobody really like our leadership our state leadership our our federal government uh, has, has struggled to find a way to resolve this issue so i am not surprised um that we haven't um had anything to really delve into this because it's trying to find a solution seems to be very scary. Right. Laura, do you have anything to add to that? For sure. I think that um, even though the film deals with a lot of historical events, we obviously try to tie it very much to the present. And I think that a lot of a, a certain subset of Americans maybe don't like to feel uncomfortable, don't like to feel wrong, don't like to feel like they don't know something. So I think mm -hmm. this is something that some people feel more comfortable looking away from. Um, at the same time, the the sheer facts of the court case alone are so bananas um, that, you know, I am surprised that there wasn't a movie made, for sure. Thank you. Yeah, I love the I love the diversity of answer there. <laughs> <laughs> like Lakota, of course. Yeah, of course, it's not a surprise. But <laughs> Yeah, and I will mention that, too. I don't think that America realizes that our treaty people, our treaty leadership have always upheld uh, their end of the bargain this whole time. And and that's something that I really would, if nothing else, I, I want people to know that, that it was never um, something that was ever dropped on our tribe's end. They've always kept it in the highest regard. Right. And those traders are the whole reason that this country, this experiment called the United States has any foothold as a nation or the treaties that it holds with its 
first sovereign nations. Um, so that's thank you for pointing that out, Jesse. That's that's uh, why you're telling this incredible story. So um, moving on, um, the Lakotas are an interesting case because everybody knows, or at least thinks they know, about Crazy Horse and Sitting Bull. Um, at least name recognition, right? If uh, you ask most people if they can name any famous natives, they're going to say those two names. But there's so much in this film that's never been told, never been part of any public consciousness. Um, and the taking the Black Hills is really just the beginning, right? Because the film outlines and really brings us into modern implications of that and Lakota resistance over a number of years. Um, was there a... What what uh, what compelled you when you were making the film to to look to point the lens into the historical and the the modern in the way that you did? Yeah, yeah, and you know, Lily, um, the biggest thing, and growing up in South Dakota, uh, a lot of this information, you know, like how is the state of South Dakota created? Why are there uh, reservations uh, where they're at today? And so. And, and what caused all of this? You know, I think, like you said, you know, a, a lot of people have a somewhat of a general understanding because of certain people in our leadership, such as Crazy Horse, Sitting Bull, Red Cloud. But yet, how are all of the things connected? That's something that um, is not really well talked about. And, and I believe that it's intentional in that way because even for Laura and I, um, to try and understand how everything fits together from the first encroachment of settlers leading up to Wounded Knee, leading up to the creation of the state of South Dakota, how did that all fit together? So, and, and then, like you said, why are our people still on the front lines of a lot of issues that pertain to uh, these lands? So, I really think that the suppression of that history is what really drove both of us to try and at least give somebody a, a starting point because there are obviously infinite details that you can go and, and pursue uh, that really um, paint the whole picture of what really happened and how it not just affects the Lakota, Dakota, and Nakota, but surrounding tribes in the region, the Cheyenne, mm -hmm. the Crow, Hidatsas up north, uh, all of these things, you know? So I really think it was that uh, lack of accessible information that really drove Laura and I. Absolutely. And seeing it all together in such a cohesive way and really, you know, going back to the editing, not to obsess over it, but that's one thing that just makes it work so well um, is that, you know, native sense of time is a place-based thing. So like you just said, bringing forward this history into the present, there's really no separation. You know, it's that um, that's, everything comes back around, everything exists in, and, in the and, whole and, like that. Yeah, Lily, when... I had no clue growing up in South Dakota, even how my last name even fit into all of this. Where did this name Short Bull come in? I had no clue about the Northern Cheyennes at Fort Robinson and that mm -hmm. situation. 
I had no clue about how the state broke up the Great Sioux Reservation and the misdeeds that were done in coercing the people against their will for the creation of the state of South Dakota. And none of that stuff, I had any clue uh, growing up. And I think it really, you know, affected, you know, my identity because it did feel like something was missing. And I struggled to understand why things were the way they were. Thank you for saying that, Jesse. And you're helping all of us understand a bit more why things are the way they are. Um, yeah, the storytelling in this is just impeccable. The, the, the research I just commend you on. That must have been such a journey. Um, we uh, we talk a lot about, you know, you brought up the Fort Robinson run. And uh, that's that's the context in which Jesse and I met each other. Um, and when we're on that run, we talk a lot about uh, life, life stages, life cycles. And that's really reflected in the way the film is structured. There was um, the the third section of it, which really, you know, we're taught is the difficult one. That's the one that you have to push through the most. That's the hardest. So in relation to the film, um, in your documentary, this third section is titled reparation. So in that context, what is, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's a, I'm glad you mentioned that Lily. And, and I just want to bring in uh, a mutual friend of ours, <laughs> uh, Crystal Tubles. And I think that in the documentary, uh, Crystal says a key word, and that's repair. And I think that Laura and I, and we wanted to really try to say, this is repairable. Uh, and Nick Tilson and Nick Estes also say it, they speak about the future. And how can we create a future that our young people can see themselves in. And in order for us, and Lily, you know this as well as I do, Laura knows this as well, our young people really bear the burden of the what's going on today. So we can repair things. We can move uh, to make things better. Um, and, and I think that um, that's really... Um, our driving goal, if nothing else, is to try to create a better quality of life, uh, not just for all of our, just just for my tribe or Rosebud or you know any indigenous community. If we can somehow uh, promote a better quality of life for our tribal members, uh, that's that's really what our goal is. Absolutely, that was beautiful. Thank you. Um, you know the the film that I'm out in the world promoting right now, Killers of the Flower Moon, touches on um, Osage head rights and oil and, you know, basically any, any resource rich indigenous person on this planet understands the attention that brings to our nations. Um, the discovery of gold in the Black Hills, um, it's no, really no different. Um, and even though these are stories from within our communities and our history and you know foundational to american history that people don't really know about it's important for us to learn about there's also your film you know i i feel like your film picks up that third chapter of beginning that process of restoration in a way where maybe my film on a broader stage you know which your film deserves to <laughs> um where we're uh, 
helping people think about that. But what I'm so struck by and, you know, the, the fashion and the way that it was told with the, the spoken word that was integrated, um, Laylee Long Soldier's work, and this is just so moving. And also Raven Chacon's score. Um, all of that, I don't, I don't know if those elements lead to this feeling of universality in your film, but, or, or how you, how did you approach making that something that is so specific? Because I know that a lot of times our, our specific histories can get a little bit erased for the universal. You know, we want to like make sure that everybody can connect to the story. So how did you approach that approach really focusing on a really holistic way of sharing this Lakota history of resi resistance and survival. Um, how, how did you, how did you approach making it a, a universal story for audiences to connect with as well? Yeah, Lily, you know, I think of uh, Lakota language and it, I am not a fluent speaker and I only understand a small fraction. But what little I do know, I understand how versatile the language is, uh, how creative the language is. And I think that Laura and I were really attracted to the idea of poetry as a language for the film. And because poetry does have that plate the power and the freedom to dare to be different and go into our deepest parts of ourselves. And that says uh, the parts of ourselves that we don't often show a lot of people. And so Laura, when she started to see how, you know, Lely's poetry, how she forensically looked at language, the English language and the language that in like say the treaty is very rigid right. and sometimes cold, but yet Laylee sort of reclaims that in a way. And, and that's why we wanted a poet to be our guide in this film. And Laylee really just, we, the magic that she brought through her work, um, I still can't really put into words. But um, she gave us the path. She gave us the path to follow. And it was, and, and I think that everything that, you know, we tried to do, and Laura really hit these notes of trying to make everything, whether it's the land, let the land speak. Let the land speak and, and, and try to make the whole thing, both sound and visuals as a poem. So that's what it is to Laura and I. The whole documentary is a poem to what we love about uh, Indigenous nations. And I'll let Laura talk about Raven on that. <laughs> I want to I want to say one more thing about Laylee, which was, I think, as an editor in the beginning of any process of editing a documentary, it's so terrifying and you're looking for footholds and things to grab onto that feel true. And certainly the first time I read 38, which is one of the poems that we're using of Laylee's in the film, um, 
it inspired, I think, both of us, uh, both literally where we're using it verbatim to illustrate expository sections, but also her approach to writing the same way that Jesse talked about, where she's examining the way that the English language is used, gave us license to apply that to Hollywood films. Like how does film, how has film language uh, described or, um, you know, been used as propaganda about indigenous people. Um, so both her methodology, I guess, and literally her words really informed so much of the film. Um, and Raven, similarly, I think, you know, I, I loved Raven's music, I think from a couple years ago when he did this really funny um, presentation where it was three tugboats uh, presenting a chorale in a harbor. And to me, um, there's something about the audacity of uh, all of the different things he pulls into his work, whether it's the drones and sort of these droning sounds that he creates, but also the combination of archival things he brings in and new music um, was definitely an inspiration for me in a similar way, not just for the audio bed, but also putting together the visuals, for sure. And, and Lily, uh, let me add one more thing here. You know, Killers of the Flower Moon um, and oil that the Osage uh, had to endure gold up in the Great Plains. Um, one thing that I want people to understand, you know, in Oglala tribe specifically, you know, we have a band called the Wajaje, hmm. which is the Osage word, and it links to the Osage. We had that connection. And, and I think that, you know, it's the struggles that we were pitted against each other now. And, and I really hope that um, we can get away from that because, you know, our tribes had more of a, a connection to each other um, more so than, you know, we may even understand like that little mm -hmm. example of the Osage having a connection to Oglala. Language is real, really similar. Osage is a Siouan based language. I mean, you guys say Shunka, they say Shonge. <laughs> yeah, it's um. Thank you for, thank you for bringing that up. Um, since the film's been out for a minute now, I'm curious about what what has it been like screening it for native audiences. Do you find that what's uh there is this bridging some of these some of these um understandings? Is there is there is it resonating with indigenous audiences in a way? Yeah, not other ways. Lily, you know, um, and and this is a big credit to our people, especially in the Dakotas, the Great Plains. You know, they know a lot of this, like the historical parts. They know about the Dakota Thirty Eight. They know how Little Bighorn went down. Mm -hmm. um, they know what led up to Wounded Knee One and Two. Uh, they are very, a, a lot of uh, people are very well versed. So a lot of it isn't much of a surprise to them. I think that the one thing that I'm really proud of is just giving a little insight into the court case where Laura was able to find uh, some exchange between the Supreme Court justices and our lawyer, or the, the tribe's lawyer about uh, the taking of the Black Hills and how wrong it was. Um, I, I also am very honored and touched that a lot of our treaty people who are the ones that don't often get the credit, uh, don't get the acknowledgement for upholding that treaty, 
and making sure that our tribes, our tribal governments uphold that treaty, having them uh, give feedback about they are glad that they can see it so that they can help promote it to a younger generation. Uh, that's, I think, been the most meaningful. And I'm gonna, I want to add one thing which has been unexpectedly, I think, really moving about our screenings, not even just in the Dakotas, but in San Francisco, and I think some on the East Coast is there are people who see their who see footage of their relatives in the film that they've never seen before that come up oh, and then wow. my grandfather wow. and so that in itself is a really special thing you know and it's it's great to get email addresses and just like ship off that footage to them so they have it that's really a community uh gift that you that you've done then it's um yeah it's a good good continuation of the oral tradition isn't that how the, that saying goes in smoke signal yeah. <laughs> um i we have a little bit of time left is there um we got about five minutes so just because this film was such a long process and uh it involved so many people um are there any memories or stories you have about making it that maybe the audience didn't get a chance to see but but uh, you remember that particularly stand out that maybe helped shape something you weren't aware of? Yeah. You know, Lily, when we were making this, um, I was working for the Oglala Sioux Tribe President's Office. And it was my first time experiencing um, the IRA, Indian Reorganization Act, governmental system. Mm. And you know, uh, firsthand, um, being, trying to help people sometimes is very difficult. And, you know, I was having a very hard time just because I was frustrating that it seemed like more things were not working out than, than going right. And, and Milo, when we went and interviewed Milo, um, he sort of uh, really pierced the, the walls that I have on myself when he relayed the responsibilities of the common man. And the common man and that leadership model is a very noble thing um, and very hard to try to do. And it's really not that hard, but it's really taking yourself and, and giving yourself to people and, and uh, being respectful, listening, being a friend, being an ally, whatever you can do to give of yourself to help others. And in that way, things will come back to you. It, it really uplifted me for the rest of you know, my job at, with the tribe. And, and, and it really, his advice that we share in the movie, um, I tried to fulfill. And even to this day, uh, since that encounter with Mr. Yellowhair, um, I still try to uphold uh, some of those virtues that he shared about the common man and uh, their leadership. And that is the greatest gift I think that the film gave to me. <laughs> And that's the gift you give to all of us, Jesse. As long as I've known you, that's the gift you've given to all of us. 
And I know that you're going to have all of it come back around and return to you. Thank you. Hopefully this film getting the recognition that it so, 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 so deserves. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, And likewise. Thank you. Um, Laura, any, any little anecdotes you wanted to share before we're done? For sure. I think riffing off what Jesse said, you know, before making this film, I've always been interested in resistance movements, I think, because society is designed to uphold the status quo. So I think in learning about uh, lots of different resistance movements or activism, you see those tipping points where change is made. And so that has always been important to me. In this film specifically, you know, before we started this process, I was kind of a cynical, like New Yorker, angry kind of person. And I think near the end of the film, spoiler alert, uh, during that flag drop, you know, being in Rapid City when Crystal climbed that Mm -hmm. tower and dropped that flag, you know, I think like that, that my heart grew three sizes that day. I think Jesse talked, Jesse and I talk a lot about this idea of radical optimism. And I think being in the middle of being a guest uh, in in that uh, march, in that demonstration that day really has stayed with me throughout. As it does, it's wonderful. Thank you both so much for your time, uh, your time today and the time that you put into making this film. That's, uh, it's really an honor for me to be out there on this circuit with you all. It's, um, it, it doesn't, you know, we do things together. You <laughs> yep. don't feel so alone being out here together. And Lily, we're so proud of you. And we really send you a lot of encouragement and just keep doing what you're doing. And you got two big fans right here. Likewise, just a circle of love. (laughs) All right. Thank you both. Um, Thank you, IFC, for seeing the brilliance that my friend here carries and uh, new friends, too. (laughs) Um, Thank you all. Check out uh, Lakota Nation Versus. Give it the attention it very much deserves.